Welcome to Sword and Shield, the official podcast of the 960th Cyberspace Wing. Join us for insight, knowledge, mentorship, and some fun as we discuss relevant topics in and around our wing. Please understand that the views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the views of the U.S. Air Force nor the Air Force Reserve, and no endorsement of any particular person or business is ever intended. Welcome to Sword and Shield Podcast. I'm Colonel Rick Erich. Today I'm joined by Chief Master Sergeant Chris Howard. Hey, Chief. How are you doing? Not too, too bad, right? It's a pretty good week so far. Good. Yeah. Post-UTA week for us here. Um, and, and so there's always a number of things that are rattling around in my head and doing some reflection about what happened and how we can do things better. Um, what's going around in your head these days? Well, sir, you know, uh, with a lot of things, uh, UTA, you get a lot of fires that get dropped on your on your desk. Uh, and then also I'm doing some uh, professional development on the side myself. And the thing that's getting stuck in my brain right now is uh, really uh, what I call is uh, touch point leadership, right? Or And touch point management. Um, I think that some people have heard uh, a version of, at least in my head, uh, as uh, management by walking around. But I'm not, not trying to put a negative context to it, right? So um, as I'm doing the professional development on team building, um, one of the things that came up is, is how do we engage with our team members in a, in a good manner um, and in the spaces that they feel comfortable? So Yeah, I heard that as a lieutenant too, uh, management by walking around and that usually followed by things of get out to know your people, right. um, be a leader, lead by example, do the things that they're doing, ask if you can turn the wrench, ask if you can um, you know push the broom, whatever they're doing get out there and kind of break that barrier down and, and, and see that, uh, that job or that task from their perspective. No, definitely. Right. So I think that, uh, looking back through my career, a lot of my positive, uh, reflections upon leadership were moments that they were in our work center, um, and engaging. Right. So I had a one commander, uh, a couple of assignments ago who had never worked on a forklift. Um, and we got this new forklift and it was really touchy. It was sketchy <laughs> as I'll get up. Um, but we like we warned him, <laughs> put him in there. But he started rolling around our uh, our um, our pad where we were putting up pallets on this forklift, and we're like, Look. <laughs> it was just funny just seeing him how how he reacted to it. And but the important part was that he came down to where we were at because uh, our facility was detached from the unit. We were miles away. Uh, it was really easy for us to be uh, considered out of sight, out of mind. Um, we felt that way quite often. Uh, right. So the fact that uh, here the commander came down and, and spent some time with us and goofed off in a, in a, in a positive way, learned a little bit, um, but also helped us a little bit and, and built that relationship. And I think that uh, that also brings to mind the fact that when we look at our wing, right, and even each group, doesn't matter what level you're at, there is a certain level of uh, distance between all of us. Yeah, the tyranny of distance we talk about can be really difficult. And I had a similar experience as you when I was a second lieutenant. I had a boss that um, I was doing some writing on some A-10 weapon systems and missiles. And um, there's at, at that time, there's no A-10 SIM. There's really not a part test trainer. And a second lieutenant as a personnel education training specialist, right. I just I couldn't grasp it. And he's like, he's like, OK, let's go. So we walked out to the flight line. They spun up a jet. He sat in the cockpit. He let me sit in the cockpit. He showed me what the pilot sees through that view. Okay. And then I was immediately able to visualize what I needed to, the words I needed to use to, to get the point across of what training material we we're working on. And just that little example was extremely helpful 
for me to understand. And I think I later moved to that. My next assignment or I PCA was to that same unit. Okay. And so I went from the, you know, from off the flight line onto the flight line squadron section commander. And I used that opportunity to um, wander around and kind of, you know, the squadron commander always wants to know, you know, what are the people thinking? What are they feeling? What are they talking about? And as a, as a first lieutenant at the time now, um, I had that opportunity to get around and meet people. And in that environment, it was easier because we had all 550 people. We're all within, you know, a couple hundred yards on the flight line and we could do that. Um, this wing obviously is much different the way oh. we're distributed across the United States and a number of mission sets. And so um, I, I find myself challenged often about how we're connecting with our airmen and what's the best way to do that. Right. No, definitely. So, right. Uh, the the gains that we get from that individual uh, conversation are invaluable. I can tell you that uh, there's a lot of things I would just not learn about our airmen if it wasn't for those moments that uh, we discuss, right? Um, you know, finding out about their families, about some of their goals, or even some of their hobbies that all lead to um, bigger things, right? So like right now on my board, I'm working on uh, some of our strategic vectoring uh, for our senior NCOs. And I'm, I'm coming from name like, okay, I know this individual based on this conversation. Now there's still plenty of senior NCOs that I have, you know, very little insight on it. That, that's putting the challenge on me to get out there and, and find out about them. And then also challenging those superintendents uh, to give me the same feedback so that we can understand that whole airman concept. Um, because that's important, right? Especially as we're detached, um, you know, when we look at COVID, um, spending that time on the phone, video chatting, and if at all possible, personal, is going to lead to how do we build a good, strong culture and climate within the 960th. Yeah, and and I think it's really important to do that, not necessarily within our wing, but, you know, every supervisor, every subordinate supervisor, every everybody in the chain needs to, you know, we talk about know your people. And so we just say that we don't really tell people what that means. But, you know, knowing somebody's birthday is right. knowing, and especially now in COVID, like understanding who's um, who's doing school at home. Right. right. And who's being home teacher and just understanding those points is when you're talking to them. So you understand what stressors is going on in their life. Um, if they feel that, that they understand that their boss understands them and knows what's going on. I, I think it makes, it takes that piece of the stress off of them and makes them more productive and efficient member of the unit. Yes, sir. And then also understanding their why what's driving them. Right. So why do they put that uniform on? Why are they in this job? Um, what, what keeps them uh, you know, invigorated to continue to do this job because the, the demand signal keeps on piling up every day. Um, the distance keeps on getting driven between us uh, on a regular basis with uh, everything going on with COVID and, and uh, society. So um, it's those conversations and that, those touch points that I, that I think are very key into developing that relationship and making sure that those bonds don't get broken. Because um, I, I feel at times um, that those bonds are, are in jeopardy. Yeah, it's certainly tenuous and, and stressed um, and stretched, maybe, if you think about um, in a rubber band. And so um, we've tried to do that through a number of ways. And this podcast is one of those ways. Right. Sure. So give people a little bit of insight to us and what, what we're thinking about, what our stressors are. Um, and so I've got some good feedback about uh, people just love to hear us talking about, you know, normal things day to day that <laughs> we're stressed with and sharing some things. But I think that goes both ways. And um for me, COVID has given us a unique opportunity into people's lives that we might not have had. 
right? True. Yeah. And so seeing people on video, hearing things during phone calls about, you know, the dog barking, especially around the holidays. I think if we would have did a did some metrics around the number of dog barks or people's packages showing up during calls and stuff, it would have been off the charts. Um, but you know, I giggle about that. And you know, I was on the phone with uh, Miss Martinez one time and and the dog, her dog was just going nuts about something. We just giggled about it. Like that that doesn't bother me. It just gives me a little insight of what's going on. And, you know, I've heard about people, um, kids having a fight in the background over a toy or something. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, a certain member had to, had, had to put us on hold they had to change a diaper. Like, right. like all that stuff helps us understand what's going on in people's lives and, right. and really helps. And, and now I have that, you know, hey, how's this going? Or how's it going now? Or I remember this. Has that changed? Um, and and. It's really makes that personal connection for people and makes them feel like they're really part of the unit. Right. It humanizes us. Right. It, it definitely gives us some insight that it's not just um, this wall or that door or that that title. Um, now, all of a sudden, you know, I'm sure that people have been on calls uh, with me where they've probably heard my daughter singing some kind of random song. <laughs> I, I don't know if she knows words to any particular song. Um but I've heard makes, it. It's awesome. <laughs> right? I enjoy it personally to a certain degree. Uh, it's just like, but those little things that, that now you get an idea into that person's life and understand that, okay, now that person isn't as um, rough or gruff or um, as much of a wall as I thought they were. Right? Yeah. So um, I'm, I'm going to call out. Um, well, I won't do that. I'll tell that story off here, <laughs> but, uh, but I'm sure you've, you know, been on calls when I'm at home and, uh, my wife loves to like turn the dishwasher on during my phone calls. And so I gave her this look and we have this back and forth about, did you really do that? Like, you know, washer and dryers run in the background. I'm like, there's all this noise. Um, and because uh, I can't get Wi-Fi back in my office. Otherwise, I'd be back in this little makeshift office we have. So gotcha. um, people have kind of heard that and I've heard giggles and comments about what's going on. And so I enjoy sharing a little insight as well. And, uh, you know, it, it kind of little bit of stress like hey this is really hard what we're doing mm-hmm. um and so just being able to breathe and giggle about something really helps me right and and now also i, I would put some of the positive spins on the, uh, some of this distance for me personally and and, and i think that uh, the fact that uh, i've been able to work from home a little bit more is that you see my daughter a lot more right and i get to hear the those the those songs, the music yep. songs, right? <laughs> I, I, Those are the things you're going right. to cherish forever, right? It's exactly. not the work I made you do. Right. It's the singing the songs and <laughs> that relationship with your daughter. It's a mix, uh, <laughs> right? Because uh, break time is hide and seek time, right? Okay. So awesome. if I get a 15 minute break, it's you go hide. Uh, Daddy's going to grab his lunch before between meetings real quick. And then uh, I'll find you real quick along the way. So, um, but it, it goes back to those touch points, right? So if we are able to engage with, uh, our team members and our airmen and, and find out what, what parts are working for them uh, in this scenario and finding out what's working in their lives. then that helps us make some good decisions, right. Or uh, present opportunities we might not have necessarily thought they would be interested in. Yeah. And I think for me too, um, I've been able to probably meet and work with a broader range of people than I might normally would not have um, specifically around the telework and the virtual space. Um, some, you know, folks are able to have opportunities, professional development opportunities to dig into a program or do some professional development that I've been able to join and learn about them as they're doing presentations or, um, see some people that are presenting topics and issues for 
decisions and things we right. want to do that normally we probably wouldn't have had the chance to do, right? It would get rolled up to a higher level and then the commander would have done it. We're, we're empowering our people to do these things and we're seeing great strides. And um, even though I can't get out there and visit every airman in person, I do feel like I got a, a connection there. We started meeting with each unit virtually. Right. We had a really good discussion this past um, weekend with one of the units. We're going to keep doing that. And I think that also helps. Um, it's probably a little bit awkward for some people. I feel much comfortable, more comfortable with it now, but it's probably more awkward for those airmen. And sometimes it's easier just to walk up and be able to talk, ask somebody questions. So we're trying to break that barrier. It certainly doesn't replace the in-person touch point, no, um, but we're trying to make do with what we can. And, and so at some point we'll be able to get back out there and travel. Right. And I think that uh, as, as we progress, right, as uh, vaccines come into play and we see um, herd immunity and we, we, we start to restrict the COVID, uh, we have made a giant paradigm shift, right, especially from a reserve perspective. Um, we look at some of the technology that's now in place that's been proven and we've got good numbers against. Um, it allows us to then relook at how we do day to day business, even as a, a traditional reservist. Right. Um, how can I get after some of these problem sets? Um, so that I can spend more time doing the training or doing the mission during the UTA. How do I offset uh, some of these needs, right? Especially for my traveling TRs. How do I make that a little bit more uh, desirable? How can then I expand my pool of can uh, applicants, right? So in pre-COVID, um, the paradigm was really stuck of, well, if you're going to be a TR, you're going to have to be here every month and you're going to have to travel. I think that, that requirement's still there, but there is some flexibility uh, at the tactical level to make some decisions of, okay, well, we can offset this, maybe uh, forego this piece and still get the desired outcome. Yeah, I agree hundred percent. And and I don't know, I don't want to go back to that model, right? I right. want to do something in between where we're the squadron commanders making good decisions about this is what I need here, this UTA in person for this reason, whatever right. reasons those are. And then these folks, especially if something's going on in somebody's life or just the commute time, even if it's local, right? Just saving somebody an hour, during the day um, can equal into a, a more effective and better morale for that person. And so we're going to continue to push for that. And, and I've heard all the way up to General Scobie say, we're not going to go back to doing business the way we did. Let's let's reimagine what participation looks like for reservists to the point of, does it have to be Saturday, Sunday? Right. Right. If, if somebody's work schedule is that they have Tuesday, Wednesdays off, why can't they do their drill Tuesday, Wednesday, whether that's in person or virtual? Right. And so I challenge our leaders and supervisors out there um, to think differently about it. I know it's going to be hard, right? Because it's yes. out of the norm. <laughs> yes. You got to manage different schedules, but we can find ways to be just as productive or more productive if we're meeting people where they um, where they are best aligned to do the mission. Right. Yeah. And then by having those communications, right, having those touch points, then you can understand what's going on in that individual's life and then match that up to a certain degree, right? There's some things we're not gonna be able to um, necessarily always adjust against, um, but uh, at least having that conversation so that we can see where we can make this um, beneficial for both. Because really when we talk about the reserves, it's a symbiotic relationship. Um, and uh, as long as we can keep it beneficial to both sides, I think we find a lot of, uh, a lot of growth uh, and then we get into innovation and then we actually get into mission execution. Um, and then the, the joy of serving, right? Yeah, I agree. And and I think balance is probably a bad word. I grew up in the reserve, like the three-legged stool, right? We need to yes. balance a three-legged stool, your civilian job, your family, your military job. So I don't necessarily think those stool legs are all the same 
Length. length. No, definitely not. At, at any one time. And they move between, and they should be able to move between what's going on in your life. So um, you might not be able to sit on the stool. It's going to stand, right. but the seat <laughs> is going to be tilted. at wonky angles and tilted. And, right. and I think looking at it from that perspective understands people coming, going, and on-ramps and off-ramps for their level of participation based on what's going on in the other parts of their life. Yep. Um, looking at their participation is a little bit easier. Maybe we get closer to that that level seat that we can sit on and really call it good. Um, and so for me, I think uh, if you think about, at least the way I think about it is, um, if I can do a different kind of model, because how many times on UTAs of chief have you said, man, it's Sunday afternoon, end of the day, people are signing out. You're like, man, I never got a chance to really check on so-and-so. I didn't get a chance to talk to so-and-so because so many things are going on. Right. Um, if we break up the participation in a different way, like it gives that supervisor more touch time right. with their individuals because it's not everybody at the same, you know, it's not the supervisor meeting one hour with everybody. It's you're going to have to have two meetings, but it gives you an opportunity to engage smaller groups of people to learn more what's going on, give them an opportunity to participate and be and be more productive in whatever that role is they have. Right. And I know that like the fear instantly comes in of is that a demand upon more of my time? Um, and I think that that's where as leaders, we have to look at, um, it's not so much a more of a demand it's an adjustment in how we demand that time. Right. It doesn't mean that, uh, you need to work 20 plus hours to get there. It's how do I readjust uh, some of the other things? How do I prioritize, uh, this, uh, relationship, uh, as important, right. Especially, uh, in that leadership role, right. As a supervisor, as a, uh, as a superintendent, as a commander, um, which weapon system am I my war? Pardon me. More worried about is it the the biggest weapon system, the personnel, or is it this one little weapon system that that executes this part of the mission? Yeah, if you think about <clears throat> if you're spending your time in ways that makes your people feel more inclusive and part of the mission and productive, there's probably less time you need to spend doing remediation, right. training, maybe disciplinary stuff. And so that time goes away. So it's not necessarily that we're adding to your time as a supervisor. It's we're asking you to use your time differently to right. be more effective. And and frankly, maybe there's things we should stop doing. Like, I right. think that's on the table, too. So I think if everybody went through an exercise of, you know, what do I need to start doing? What do I need to stop doing? What do I need to keep doing? Um, I would like to see, you know, more and more touchpoint leadership go in the start column. And then hopefully some other things can go on the stop column because you don't need to do those anymore. Yes, sir. I mean, and I think that we're in a prime environment, right? As we've gone through COVID, now we also have the Accelerate Change or Lose. That's not just mission. That is right. how we do business as a whole. It's a philosophy. It's not necessarily a mission statement, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then that drives me to think about uh, the counterbalance. Uh, you, you talked about the stool and the balance and everything like that. Um, we talked about some of the demands, but um, how do we get away from fatigue? How do we balance from fatigue, especially the, the fact that uh, that normal cycle was uh, I started my day off. Let's say I got up at 435 o'clock in the morning, uh, I'm prepping in the day um, or in the morning. Then I'm off to work and maybe it takes me a half hour, 45 minutes to drive to work. Then doing my coffee. I'm doing my routine. I'm getting myself set. I do my day. Then I go home. I, I got another 30, 45 minutes to drive. So I've got some of that downtime. Right. When we do a lot of the telework, where's that downtime that's built in? You know, what, what were those rituals that you were doing before? Uh, I think we talked about some of the, the engagement models of, you know, the, the, ten, the two, ten, uh, four and seven or five and seven. 
my mat saw. So. That's all right. <laughs> yeah. So I think about that. And, you know, in, in my world, my, my two started at, used to start at five. Right. And then went from there. And now my two starting at six. And so, like, my world has shifted an hour to the right. So right. I'm still trying to put enough time in, but I find myself um, spending more time working during more work hours right. um, across our different time zones, right? So sure. um, we've got a pretty big window from east to west coast. Uh, and so I've tried to kind of look at what's the best best fit. And so I've seen that model shift. And um, I don't know if it's good or bad, but there's a there is there's an issue there with um, self-discipline and boundaries when it comes to work for sure. Right. And that's where I'd like to challenge everybody out there is, uh, in that uh, beginning to really build yourself a good solid, um, regime, right. Of what that looks like to get yourself prepared and make sure that you're ready for the day as well as holding as firm as possible on that five and seven, right. Um, that five being that whatever you're doing for you and your family and that seven for the rest, you know, just where you need to. Um, if uh, the fatigue's kicking in there um, and your sleep's getting uh, damaged because of it, uh, long-term effects are going to be much more problematic than just taking a deep breath and shifting this or offloading that, right? And I know what's really important. Absolutely. Yeah, that shifts throughout your day too and mm -hmm. days, weeks. And, and and so I found it helpful that I, you know, I'm, I, I have this watch that, that tracks my sleep. And so I do look at it every night. Um, kind of see the the type of sleep and the length of sleep I got. And I'll try to adjust and just try to get more. Or um, like yesterday, I woke up and it felt great, right? We had the COVID shot Tuesday. Right. Wednesday, I wake up. I'm like, wow, I don't have a sore arm or anything. It's great. It went for like a four-mile run. And then this morning, I got up and I was like, holy moly, what happened? <laughs> I am not into it today. Gotcha. And I don't know why, right? But tonight, I'll take a look at it. I'm like, you know, I probably need to go to bed. Maybe not really. And um and then figure out, figure out what that looks like. So if I'm going to cut an hour out of the five for the family, then today I'm going to have to cut an hour out of work to give the hour back to the family. Right. And I think that's, that's where I find getting, um, again, I don't like to wear balance, but a better allocation of my time is that sometimes it's going to come at the expense of work. And, and I know it's right. We're on day 11 in a row right. here. Yes. And so, um, if, 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 if I need to take, you know, I need to work, nine hours instead of 10 today, then I'll do that and make sure I'm putting the time where I need to. But I also need help. I need people around me, family and work family to say, hey, remember, two hours, two hours workout, prep for work, 10 hours of work, yep. five hours family and seven hours sleep. Yep. Again, not firm, but a good guideline, right? right to start yep. with, definitely. Um, now, I, I know that you challenge me on a regular basis, sir, uh, as a team member to, to make sure that I'm keeping uh, those allocations in the right right zones and making sure that uh, uh, a healthy both physically mentally uh, prepared for work and also that the family life is uh, not uh, taking too much of a hit right because as you said we've got three uh, all these different time zones that we've got to hit um, the demand signal doesn't change when we talk about uh, full-time versus uh, TR staff uh, the demand signal changes for our TR staff right so they have to do their full day of work then they get engaged in the evening they need uh, information from you so that extends that out. And, and finding the best way to, to support both. Yeah. And so I've been a TR and I was a TR squadron commander and I, I know, I know how hard it is. And so um, when I talk to them too, I try to assess what's going on in their lives and make sure they're thinking about those things. Right. And then I think the load, I mean, empowerment's probably an overused term, but um, being able to trust your folks and, and, and having, um, knowing them good enough because you spent time having 
touch time with them and understanding what, what they are allows you to be more effective and use your time where you need to and, and maybe dial back at certain times where you need to. Sir, that trust is key across the, the board. The trust that you have in them and the trust that they have in you. And the only way we really build that up is, is through those touch points. I agree. And so touch point leadership, I think, is really important. Um, and, uh, you know, again, we like to challenge people on here. We like to challenge our staff to, to find ways to do that. We're certainly available for you if you want to talk more about that, about different ways. And I think don't overthink it. Like, it's just getting out from behind wherever your workstation is, whether that's calling somebody, FaceTiming them, video chatting them one-on-one. Um, and being a little bit uh, unpredictable with when you're communicating with people and check on them when, um, when, when maybe it's it, maybe when they don't think they need it, but checking on them just to make sure they're doing okay. And, you know, saying happy birthday too, right? right? Yeah. Celebrating something like that um, may, makes you feel like a big part of the team. Sir, I appreciate you giving me the time to, to really get that off my chest. It was definitely rattling in my brain today. So thank you, sir. No, that's great. And so um, until next time, everybody. Have a great day.